Welcome to a special episode of Grasp the Sword. In the coming days, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. Christmas means many different things to each person listening. To some, it's a time of wonder and expectation. To some, it's a time of joy and family get-togethers. To others, it can be a hard time as we remember loved ones that are no longer with us, or maybe loved ones that just can't be with us for whatever reason. Whatever the season means to each of us, there's one thing that is constant amongst all of that. Christmas is a time that we can look forward to the celebration of the coming of our Savior. We remember that Jesus, the creator of the universe, our maker, came in the form of a baby to become human for one purpose. As Paul says in Philippians 2, Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. As we celebrate this Christmas, let's remember the Savior who came in the form of a baby on his long journey toward the cross, where he gave us the chance of a new life. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7, 14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come to you on my behalf. Isaiah 9, 6-7 For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim that captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. Daniel 2:44. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. These are some passages from the Old Testament, prophecies from Isaiah, Micah, and Daniel. They were written in a time when the Jews had gone through, I don't know, significant turmoil, significant Mm -hmm. events. I just wanted us to talk and chat for a few a few minutes about 
the mindset that the Jews would have had when these prophecies were written, um, obviously uh, Daniel, Isaiah, and Micah kind of span a not a huge time span, mm-hmm. but uh, they're, the Jews were in a, in a situation where they had a specific mindset. So I wanted to talk about for a few minutes what was the world like at their time, and when we think about and we hear these prophecies, uh, what was going on in their lives and their history uh, and things that was going to happen, because that'll give us perspective mm-hmm. on what these passages, what these prophecies would have meant to them. Yeah, I think, you know, thinking about the story of Daniel, if we're just reading through the book, you know, there's a couple different kings that he's uh, experiencing in their rule, in their reign, and so there's obviously changes in leadership mm-hmm. through all of these uh, years and these times, changes in not only the leaders, but also the the groups that are, you know, ruling the world, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And so now they're hearing these, you know, prophecies and these promises of this other ruler, you know, mm-hmm. that's coming. And so it's probably, you know, just in my opinion, you know, they're think- they've got this, all these uh, different rulers they're, you know, being under, and then they've got this other promise of this other mm-hmm. ruler or king that's coming, and it's it's probably a little confusing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they always had in the back of their mind, too, because they always kept bringing it up, the Egyptian captivity, mm-hmm. captivity mm-hmm. even in the time of Daniel and Isaiah. Right. You know, there's, you know, they still think back to the Egyptian captivity. So even going back to their beginnings, they have this idea of captivity, and there's slavery. always slavery uh-huh. and these people that are ruling over us right? and people that are coming in and attacking us. So they might not be looking forward to an announcement of another king. I mean, even though right. it sounds great, he's going to release these people from uh-huh. their, you know, captivity, and he's going to, you know, be this great, wonderful counselor, you know, mighty God, prince of peace. There's going to mm-hmm. be peace, and, you know, they're probably maybe a little skeptical A little skeptical. Yeah. Because they've had a they've had a uh, mixed match of emotions with God over the last three hundred years, or right. much, however long it is. Yeah, you know it's always believe God, don't believe God, get punished, turn back, repent. Yeah, turn back, repent. This is like this mm-hmm. constant cycle with them, mm-hmm. and so they're they're going through all these things. And I mean, I was thinking too about you know they've got in their pa- recent past they've had strife in the uh, in the the royal family, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, the popular show is, uh, uh, you know, the the Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think the story of uh, David's uh, line and his lineage puts that to shame. And when you start <laughs> looking at the fights that his his kids and grandkids had, yeah. and then after the Davidic line finishes, and you've got uh, these kings that are just going back and forth and. And you get this one king that does this, and he's evil, and the next king is good, and then so-and-so kills this person. And uh, so they've got this, like, strife that's built up uh, just in their own kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And then there's these promises from Isaiah that there's going to be all this stability. Like, yeah. the government will be on his shoulder, the peace. You know, it's all going to be stable when they're living in this time that's totally unstable. Right. And so that would be so unusual for them to to have a, a stable leader, a stable rule, a stable peace um, throughout all that. So yeah. very unusual for them to, you know, hear that. Yeah, very unusual. And mm. I would think, too, that it would give them something to hope for. Yeah. You know, because they're thinking, you know, we're, we're under the, you know, we, we've been under the rule of 
the Egyptians or even under the rule of the Philistines or, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Canaanites mm-hmm. or the Moabites, whoever it was mm-hmm. at different points in their, you know, r- recent history and further back. Right. You know, the idea that there's going to be a ruler that comes from us that's going to rule over everybody and... It's going to be great, like you said. It's, he's going to be. He's going to rule over everything, and mm-hmm. he's going to ha- be the prince of peace. And there won't be division. You there know, are no more division. It's not two kingdoms. It's it's one rule, one ruler. Mm-hmm. They've got this very physical royal uh, idea in their head. Yeah, and so they're probably, like you said, a little skeptical, right? A little excited at the same time, mm-hmm. and almost probably like. When is it going to get here? Yeah, like it's a hopeful anticipation, a hopeful expectation. Like, we really hope this is true because this is why this is exactly what we would want, right? Yeah, and it's been talked about for so long. Mm-hmm. When is it going to get here? Mm-hmm. You know, they're hearing all these expectations or these promises and these prophecies. What do you think that their expectations were? Their expectations were probably physical. You right. know, obviously they. We're hoping for a, a ruler and someone who would lead them and guide them and, you know, maybe set up this new structure or this system of living and, you know, being in a, in a kingdom and in a, a group of people. So it was definitely physical, uh, I believe. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I think it was because even when you get to, obviously, we're, this, this is jumping ahead a little bit. Even when Jesus comes, mm-hmm. there was always this idea that he was going to be an earthly ruler. He right. was going to... Uh, cure everything. He was going to take care of everything, and so they. I, I think I agree. They had this very physical idea of a, a kingdom that was coming. They were going to be a part of it. They were God's chosen people, mm-hmm. and so out of God's chosen people was going to come a ruler that was going to take care of everything for them. Right, and that's where they were. That that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. You know, they very much a expectation of this king that's going to come and and free us and take care of us. Physical rest, physical freedom, physical stability, and we'll see how that's totally opposite. Totally, but still the same. But yes, Mm -hmm. a lot of Christians this time of year, you know, it's Christmas. A lot of Christians celebrate or not celebrate, but they they go through the process of Advent. Advent being the idea that you know we're we're looking forward to to Christmas, to the coming of, of Jesus to the mm-hmm. earth through through the birth. And I think that we would say that you know, the coming of Jesus obviously looks different for us today because it's already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, but the Jews were looking the Jews were looking towards the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And even though Jesus has already come, we still look forward to Jesus coming in, in a lot of different ways. Right. One thing I was thinking about is we were talking about the, the turmoil and the things that the Jews were going through that shaped the way that they thought of the Messiah. You know, I've I heard, this is going to be a shout-out to uh, a Matthew West podcast, mm-hmm. but he was talking about we need Christmas, and we need Christmas because we have a lot of turmoil in our lives just today. Mm-hmm. When you think about turmoil that we're going through right now, what kind of comes to your mind when we think about turmoil today? Well, I think, you know, we're expecting and hopeful for this season because of all that it all that it does. There's togetherness, there's mm-hmm. there's joy, there's um 
you know, getting to see family and friends and things like that, those things that we so much enjoy. But, you know, we look so much, we look forward to that so much because of things like this pandemic we've been dealing with. And maybe this is the first time families are getting together, you know, for Christmas or for the holidays and getting to just share in time together. There's people didn't have time together, you know, during the pandemic. And so, being able to share and all that, I think, is what is so missed or what's looked forward to the most every year uh, around the holidays when we get to be together. When we stop, yeah. maybe we get some days off and we just get to stop and pause and reflect on the coming of Jesus and what that brings for our life, the rest and the peace and the hope and the joy and the love that brings to our life. I was thinking on the same lines, just mm-hmm. the pandemic, just the yeah. way that it's... That's the big one. That's the big one. That's obviously the... Uh, it's not even the elephant in there that nobody talks about it. Everybody right. talks about it. I you mean, know, we, could, we could think you're locally. I mean, the tornadoes. I mean, right. there are expect, hopeful uh, West Tennesseans who are hopeful for, you know, rebirth and rebuilding. Yeah. And that directly correlates to the coming of Jesus and yeah. all the new that he brings. You know, there's tragedy and there's loss of life and things and possessions, but there's also the rebirth Mm -hmm. uh, and the renewal and the beginning, you know, it's the beginning of the new year. It all comes at the same um, point, and I think that's what we look forward to so much. Yeah, and the idea, you know, all these bad things, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. the tornado and the the destruction and the damage, Mm -hmm. you've got so many people starting over, Mm -hmm. and when you look at, just look at the response Mm -hmm. that people have made to that and when you think about I was thinking about when you when you were saying that even though it is all these things are tragic they're tragedies mm-hmm. the pandemic people being separated from each other not being able to be with each other the tornado just ripping people's lives apart mm-hmm. but God is able to work through those times mm-hmm. and when you think about when when Jesus came you know he came into a tumultuous situation. You know, when he was born, mm-hmm. you know, the Romans are are in control and he worked through that situation. And God just has this this promise of no matter what situation we find ourselves in, he's gonna work through it. He puts he puts everything back together. I mean, yeah. things are broken, things are ripped apart, like you said, physically in our lives today, right now. Tornadoes, pandemic, sickness, everything. He Brings it all back together. He puts Mm -hmm. it together. And that's what the birth of Christ is. He comes into the world because of sin. And God's plan from the beginning was to put it all back together, to restore exactly what he he meant it to be. Mm -hmm. Because he came into a broken world. He created a world that wasn't broken. Mm -hmm. Like you said, because of sin, the world broke. Mm -hmm. And we're all broken people. Mm -hmm. And we all have this need for... A savior that comes in, and that takes care of that for us. Right. That fixes, that fixes the world. That fixes us, and that's really what Christmas represents. The weary world rejoices. The weary world mm-hmm. rejoices. Mm-hmm. Don't say that Don't three say times. That's right. <laughs> if you can say that really fast several times, uh, send us an email with you doing it. And we'll put you on the podcast. Yeah, you can have your own <laughs> special. That's right. But you know. That's the idea. That's what. That's one of the reasons that Christmas is so special. Mm-hmm. And I think 
I thought last year that there was a hunger for the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. We weren't even really through the pandemic yet. We were just kind right. of in the, not even a lull. We were just in the middle of it, and mm-hmm. it was some people were able to get together, some weren't. Yeah. But this Christmas, it seems like there's even more of a, of a desire for it, and we can mm-hmm. see it in the, in the secular version of Christmas. You know, we see how. I saw more houses with lights in early November than I ever have. Yeah. You know, so there is this, just this longing to be in the Christmas season. But I think that it's carried over into the, the actual reason for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there is a hunger for, for Jesus to come into our lives in a mm-hmm. different way. Well, and the Bible says, you know, we are children of the light. We're not meant to be in darkness. And so we long for that light. We long for Jesus' light to illuminate any darkness that we're experiencing. And so I think that's a reminder each Christmas, each holiday season, that the light has come, the light comes into our life, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot ex- extinguish it, it cannot put it out, put out the light of Jesus. And so that's just a, such a hopeful promise that we have when we come to this time of the year. The stars are brightly shining, it is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till He appeared and the soul month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. 
Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to a town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud of the haughty ones, and he has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his, uh, save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through this prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census when Cornelius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, 
the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that same time, wise men came from the eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So let's revisit the idea just for a bit. We talked about it a few minutes ago. But the idea of the expectations of the Messiah that the Jews had. And I know we talked about this just a few minutes ago, but let's rehash what their expectations were. Because mm-hmm. I want to talk about in a minute how God responded to their expectations. Right. So, yeah, we a physical king, you know, earthly, mm-hmm. all those things that just earthly and physical, I guess, is the yeah. main thing we I was got to. A great warrior, yeah. you know, the savior. Maybe a fighter. A fighter. You know, in particular, in the the time that the that Jesus came, you know, they're thinking about a Messiah who's going to save them from the Romans. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, very just a conqueror, a conqueror, a conqueror, which he is, but in a totally different way. In a totally different <laughs> way. And what did they get instead? I got a little baby, a little baby, mm-hmm. wrapped in a manger. Mm-hmm. Parents of uh, ill repute, maybe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily say that. You kind of infer it from the idea that, you know, the the pregnancy and getting right. married, and you know, so they, they're they're nobodies yeah. really. You know, you've got a carpenter and a teenage girl mm-hmm. that, that nobody else really knows, and then you've got this lowly birthplace, right? Born in a stable, born in a stable, in a barn. No bed, so they put mm-hmm. the baby in a manger. And, you know, we think about a manger just being something really cute, and he's all wrapped up, but a manger was nothing I mean, cute. you're on hay. I don't know how comfortable that is. Right. And you've got the animals that are eating out of mm-hmm. it, and this was not what you would expect, this great, powerful king. It's not mm-hmm. where you expect him to come from, and that's where he came from. 
So that was the Jews' expectations. Mm -hmm. So what kind of expectations do we put on God? This one's a little bit different because it gets in this this gets closer to home. Mm -hmm. When we think about how we would want God to come in and take care of things, what kind of expectations do we put on God, do you think? You said the question the way that I think answers it is what expectations do we put on God? It's all about my needs and my mm-hmm. my wants and my desires. Those are the things I place expectations on, you know. And God's he takes care of my needs and my wants and my desires, but in totally different ways than I would think he should mm-hmm. or would. And for me at least, put those expectations on God to answer it in this way or do it in this way or do right. it all the ways that I want to do instead of surrendering my will and way to whatever he wills it to be, which is going to fulfill my expectation, my need, my want, my desire. Um, but it's just my way, you know, how mm-hmm. I would, just like the, the, you know, the Jews and what they were expecting, you know. It was their own form of a king or their own form of a warrior or a conqueror. Um, and God's way is totally different. Totally different. Mm-hmm. I think of, we think about things like, God, I, I want to... Uh, I want to do this with my life, or I want to be in this career, or I want to I want to go to this place and live, or I want to I want my life to flow in this particular way. And this, like you said, this is how I want you to fit into that. Right. This is how I want you to make it work. God doesn't. He asks us to just join him in his purpose that is already being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You can come alongside God, join him in that. And oftentimes I find myself trying to make my own purpose and my yep. own reality or whatever, um, whether that's career, family, relationship, living, whatever it is. And God's just saying, join me in this. I'll take you, just join me in this, what I'm already doing right here, right now, and he'll exceed our expectations in that. I'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just that, join me. I mean, that's all. Yeah. Because a lot of times... What we think of as, well, I think that would be really good for for me. Or sometimes it's even, I think this is something really godly. I think this is something that God could really use. Mm -hmm. And that's the direction that I want to go. And that's what I want to have happen. Mm -hmm. And God says, it's a good idea, but I've got a better one. Yeah, we qualify it. You say, yeah, this would be good for me. You know, I'm doing this great thing. It's going to fulfill this purpose. And so, God, you should just really get behind me because... This is a really great thing we've I've worked out. You know, right. I've, I've figured this out, God. It's a great purpose. It's helping people. It's loving people. You just just get on and support God. And right. when it's totally the actually the opposite, yeah. If you'll just put your stamp of approval on right. it, that'll be perfect. Mm-hmm. So many times, I would say probably 110 percent of the times, God says, "Let's do it this way instead." Yeah, you know, and it's always better. Mm-hmm. So when I think about when we think about the Jews' expectations of a coming Messiah, and we think about our expectations of a Messiah, obviously that's already come, but as we think about how the Messiah can work in our lives, God doesn't meet our expectations. I heard someone recently say, God doesn't meet, he did not meet the Jews' expectations for a Messiah. He doesn't meet our expectations for a Messiah. He blows up the expectations. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that thought of expectations being blown up just kind of really, it, it stuck with me, you know, because I was thinking about 
you know, his plan is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. And even when you go to this original plan, his the Jews' idea of what the Messiah was was this physical king that was going to rescue them from uh, tyranny. You know, during the times of you know Daniel, it's the Babylonians. During the time of Isaiah, the Assyrians are on their way. And, uh, you know, then you had, uh, you know, the, the Greeks or the Persians or the Romans, whoever it was at the time, whatever Jew it was, their idea was it was going to be this Messiah, this king that was going to come in and rescue them. Mm-hmm. And that was the limit of their thoughts. And God said, no, it's not that at all. I've got something bigger than I'm going to save you from. You're, you're under the bondage of sin, and I'm mm-hmm. going to rescue you from that not just here on earth, but for eternity. All of our expectations are limited of yeah. what God can do or will do, and God's are unlimited. And he came and blew up the Jews' expectations and blows up our expectations because he's, he's bringing rescue, like you said, from sin, and he's bringing um, deliverance in a way we didn't even know we needed. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't even know what to expect. Right. God... God exceeds our expectations because he does things that we didn't even know we needed or we should yeah. expect. Yeah. Like we don't we have no comprehension of what of what God uh is going to do. Yeah. Which is crazy because we have you know all of these wishes and desires and and needs and and God totally just exceeds those. I can think of times I can think backwards in my life and I can see things that happened and they either happened kind of like I thought they should, or maybe they didn't happen like I thought they should have all. Or maybe it was, there's been times when it was completely opposite of what I wanted to happen, what Mm -hmm. I thought should happen. But then when you look back, you're like, I did, he met a need. Like you said, he met a need. I didn't even know I had at the time. He put a person in my life. I didn't even know I needed. He, Mm -hmm. he put me in a place that I had no idea that what that kind of effect that was going to have. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing, because he sees all that. Mm-hmm. He knows all that. You know, but we sit here with a limited, a limited perspective, and we, you know, we sit in with our, our tunnel vision glasses thinking we, we can see everything, and he's able to see so much broader. We really shouldn't put an expectation on anything, because we have no comprehension of actually what the expectation should be. Yeah. Because God, God's plan is unlimited. Yeah. And when you think about, too, what the, the verse that kind of comes to my mind when you've said a few things is, I can't, I'm going to draw a blank on where it mm-hmm. is, but, you know, God can do so much more than we can even possibly imagine or fathom. Well, I've got that open here, because that's oh, one I wanted first. to mention. You're exactly <laughs> right. It's Ephesians 3, uh, 20, I believe, yep. which says, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. So it's infinitely more, infinitely more than we can even think. Not do, just think. Right. If I try to think about all the ways God could work and do, I couldn't even come up with all the, all the ways. And not only that, what's even better is it says, through His mighty power at work within us. So the power that we can't understand or know or even think in our minds to comprehend is actually also the power that's at work within us. We have that that same power within us, which is blows your mind even more right there in that yeah. that one little verse. Because whatever you think, God is just gonna blow that out of the water and do mm-hmm. so much more. 
And that's an incredible thought. Yeah. And I think that's what we get here too with this with this story. Our our expectations of Jesus coming, their expectations of Jesus coming is so limited. And then even even if you just read the story at face value, you, you start thinking, well, why is that so special? Why is a a deity coming in the form of a baby? Why does that even matter? And then when you start digging into it and thinking about all the repercussions that that has and what it means by the time that Jesus gets to the cross because he's lived a completely human life and can feel everything that we feel and knows everything about the way that we live, and that's why he did it. Mm-hmm. And it just it just blows our minds that it all this works together in that way. All because of his love for us. Yeah. You know, that's what the verse ahead of that in Ephesians 3.19 says, that may we experience the love of Christ, though we can't understand that either. No. We can't understand his expectations, and his expectations flow out of his love for us. So that's why we can't understand his expectations, because his love is not understandable. Right. So we can't under- understand what he'll do, because we can't understand his love, because we can't understand it fully, but yet we receive it fully. Yeah. So we receive something fully we can't even understand, and then you'll made, be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I mean, that verse just blows your, <laughs> my expectations <laughs> right out of the water. Yeah. And it all, it all goes back to the, the story of Jesus. Uh-huh. Paul says, all glory to God. The story of Jesus was to bring God glory. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. Who is able? He's able to do all things. And he brought his... His son, the son of God, came to the earth as a baby to be born, to live, to serve, to love, to die, be resurrected, and all because he loved us. Thank you, Shay, very much. This is blown past my expectations yeah, as well. Yeah, mine too. God, so, God's good at doing that. God is good at doing that, and he speaks... He speaks through his people. He speaks to each other. And so during this season of Advent, as we wonder and contemplate about the birth of this baby that represented God physically coming into this world with one purpose, to save his children, as we think about our expectations for that, let's be mindful that God is going to blow past those expectations And so let's be thinking about what it means to look towards the coming of the Messiah into our lives every day. And as we do that, I want you to, I want to close out with a passage from 1 Peter 1, verse 13 through 16. I'm going to read it from the message just because the wording uh, is is powerful as we're Mm -hmm. thinking about Jesus coming. So as we read, we're going to finish with this and we wish you Merry Christmas. We wish you a great time with your families a season of blown up expectations a season of blown up expectations and ask God to come into your life ask Jesus to come into your life in a powerful way Yes. and we're going to finish with 1 Peter 1 verse 13 through 16 so roll up your sleeves put your mind in gear and be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing You didn't know any better then, you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. Amen. Amen.
all of creation, all of the earth, made straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint, let every nation shout of your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so come, Lord Jesus, come. There will be justice, all will be new, your name forever, faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, so we wait, we wait for you, God, we wait, your coming soon. So we wait, we wait for you. God, we wait, you're coming soon. Like a bride waiting for a groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Every heart, Longing for our King, we sing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, even so Thanks for joining us as we seek to know more of God's purpose for our lives. The Life on Purpose podcast is brought to you by Skyline Church of Christ in Jackson, Tennessee. Visit SkylineChurch.com to learn more of what God is doing in our lives. Thanks for listening.